This is Leave Your Mark. I'm Vince Cortez, and today's guest is Aaron Watson. Aaron is obsessed with storytelling, business building, and creating media that leads to sales. As the co-founder of Piper Creative, Aaron leverages his expertise to help others build healthy company cultures, execute effective storytelling, and master the distribution of their content. Aaron, thank you for being my guest here today. Thanks for having me. Hi there, and welcome. Now it's time for America's favorite podcast, Leave Your Mark, with your host, Vince Cortez. If it's fly, loose fit it, it's Cortez. If freeze and chubbies in it, it's Cortez. Leave Your Mark is about inspiring the world, one guess at a time. Pass the word from Brooklyn to Pittsburgh, from urban to suburb, it's Cortez, you heard? And here is our host, Vince Cortez. You, uh, you have quite an interesting story. You're an entrepreneur online, digital entrepreneur, and you've been doing this since 2014. Um, you're most recently doing your Piper Creative. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I would like to give the audience a little background on who you are and where you're from and how you've arrived where you are. So uh, you're a Pittsburgh boy, born and raised in Pittsburgh, uh, went to North Hills High School, and you're son of Linda and Bernie Watson. Uh, your mom was in sales and marketing. Your dad was an engineer. And you participated in all sports in high school, like most Pittsburgh kids, but I think you have a unique skill set and you're the ultimate Frisbee champion. Uh, when, when, did, when did you pick up on playing Frisbee and then how did you get into competitive Frisbee? Yeah, so really a, a situation of circumstance. We had uh, the, the sons of one of you know, the most prolific involved uh, people in all of Ultimate Frisbee who just happened to live in the same school district. So his kids brought, you know, uh, discs or, or Frisbees to um, all sorts of events. One of my friends caught the bug. He started bringing Frisbees when we would come and he'd be like, hey, we're going to play football and basketball today, but like, let's throw the Frisbee for five minutes. And then there was a tournament or some sort of game that we went to. I had a good time. And, uh, you know, on a relative basis, I'm I'm an okay athlete. I'm nothing special, uh, but I had a, a real um, competitive ability in ultimate that wasn't, uh, it, it was a higher ceiling than football or uh, basketball or anything else because uh, the, the people aren't as big. They aren't quite as um, just over the top from an athleticism standpoint and uh, carried that over from high school into the University of Pittsburgh where we won two national championships and uh, played briefly semi-professionally after school, uh, but that doesn't pay the bills and uh, is not a sustainable way to keep your body functioning in a healthy way. <laughs> no, I think it's interesting because what we're finding out here uh, post-millennium is that there's a lot of different sports and things that have come up since then. And I think the disc is one of them. You see a lot of it on the, on the uh, internet with YouTube and it's becoming not just prominent in the States, it's prominent global as I've noticed. Um, just want to touch real quick. You're a pit grad and you went and you were econ and poli sci major graduating in 2014. So uh, at that point in your life, what, where, where were your interests lying with those two majors? What did you see yourself doing? I had no idea. I got some, some really at best mediocre to bad advice that it didn't matter what you majored in because it usually didn't connect to what you did after school. And so I didn't take school that seriously. And I kind of coasted and uh, smart enough to get like, you know, B's and the occasional C uh, with just minimal effort. 
And I felt like political science was really easy. And then I had a political theory uh, teacher say, you know, what did the poli sci majors say after they graduate? And uh, it, the whole room paused because we're all poli sci majors. And he goes, do you want fries with that? Um, <laughs> basically, you know, conveying that there's not a lot of value in a political science major. And I can say that because I have one. Um, <laughs> and so was trying to explore what would actually be impactful, got into the economics degree, uh, I'm much more, I, I'm I'm decent at math. I'm nothing special I, across the board. I'll tell you, I'm nothing special and uh, not, you know, a quant, like someone who's just going to get into the spreadsheets and the numbers, much more of a, a kind of social psychological uh, narrative mind. And so the, the corner of economics that was most interesting to me was behavioral economics and the notion that people aren't going to make economically rational decisions every time. Uh, it's actually quite consistent that they don't. Why is that? How could words that you read change the value of some sort of commoditized good? That was really interesting to me, which led to eventually uh, wanting to uh, influence people in marketing and media. So then the rollover to marketing was rather natural for you then as far as where your thought patterns were gone and how you were deciding what was in front of you well the lily pad was i my first job out of school was in finance and sales and once again i was okay at it i wasn't bad i didn't fail out but i just was frustrated with the structure that i was put into it was very old school smile and dial hunt what you kill commission only type of existence and i was about a year in and i was like you know i instead of having to go reach 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 for each subsequent person i could draw people to me with the tools of a podcast, which are very, you know, inexpensive and candidly, no one wants to talk to some 23 year old about their finances. Um, Cause you haven't lived any sort of life. You haven't, you, you don't really have that much practical experience and I'll, and I'll just I'm not trying to shoot anyone else's business in the foot here, but you probably shouldn't take your financial advice from a 23 year old. They just, they do not have the context unless they are literally a savant. Um, but that's what I was being, you know, asked to do, called, not called to do, asked to do, assigned to do uh, by the folks that hired me. And so I was like, well, there has to be an a way to invert this in some way, shape or form and accelerate my learning. And also just candidly be in a line of work that that wasn't quite so soul sucking. And so the podcast, which preceded Piper was really an exploration of how can I use media to influence people? How can I learn from the people who seem more fulfilled and satisfied by the work that they're doing that are doing something impactful and uh, was a excuse to not be in that, uh, that role anymore, which was just, just not fulfilling. And in certain ways, like a, like a knockoff, you know, discount store version of like Wolf of Wall Street stuff. Okay. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Being that you came through in 2014, how much of your uh, pre-college, uh, your preparatorial school, did you have a computer in front of you? Was that like a K through 12 thing? Or when did you have your first computer where you were using it for classroom type assignment? I mean, I we had a computer class, I want to say in like second or third or fourth grade. I can't really place it, but we'd like go in and like play a game on the computer. Like it wasn't anything crazy. So your transition, I'm touching on that because it's like more of a natural one. The people like are in your window of age, the idea of the computer and what the capabilities are are much obvious, more obvious to them. Yeah. Um, like so, so I had a I had a 
MySpace account, I want to say in like eighth or ninth grade. And I, I, you know, was on Facebook in high school. And so you, you go into the working world and in certain ways, it's this step forward in maturity and responsibility. And in other ways, it's this weird step backwards where there's just a lack of a, a lack of appreciation for what's possible. And that's really uh, like, you know, fast forwarding to Piper. That's the basis of what we're doing now. We fast forward to the point. I chart out this line all the time. There are agencies here in town that have been around for 25 years that don't have 25 subscribers on YouTube. Oh my. YouTube is the world's second largest search engine. Yes. If you ask me, would I trust a strategist that has not for their own business at least created some sort of presence on the world's second largest search engine? I, I think it's borderline negligent to have not done that, <laughs> particularly if you have the equipment, but you don't even need the equipment. Literally now, you can shoot it on your smartphone, right. on the webcam, on your camera, and it it's 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 there. It's 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 low hanging fruit. Even if you just have a business, if you do nothing else, listen, decide Aaron's boring and, and I don't want to listen to this anymore. Walk away with this one one takeaway. A 30 to 40 second selfie video where you talk to the camera and explain what your business is, why you're doing it, and then pinning that video to the top of all your social media accounts is the elevator pitch. If you get into business at all, you're taught to do your elevator pitch, which is you're stuck on an elevator for 30 seconds with someone important, someone you want to influence. How could you get them from zero to one in understanding your company? Everyone has the opportunity to do that in a scaled way on their social media platform by, like I said, for free. You, if you're listening to this, I know you have a smart device, so I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, uninclusive with this statement. But if you're listening to this in some way, shape, or form, you're using something that has the capability to produce a very basic video. Talk to the camera, say, you know, hey, I'm Aaron Watson. I founded Piper Creative to help people produce video that is effective at getting their customers interested in them, create more leads, recruit talent, and build a magnetic brand. If you want to learn more about how I can do that for you, go check out my website, pipercreative.co. You right. can see how that model could work for anything, whether mm -hmm. you are in, uh, you know, you could be inviting people to your restaurant with what you just, you could be precisely, cook, that's the, taste my food. The, the perfect example. I love sharing I'm Polish, so I love sharing kielbasa and pierogies with the masses. This is my grandma's recipe. I put my heart and soul into every plate that comes to the table. Come try it. Wouldn't you give that person a shot? Wouldn't you give that person a shot at the very least? Oh, for sure. It's you're you're referencing the authenticity. I think that's everything on the internet. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You are listening to listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark. So what I want to touch on here is is um because you came out of school, you had a couple of different jobs, a little bit of a conflict. So when did you uh, first become interested in working with Hannah and cultivating what you're currently doing? So I, uh, after the financial services job, I was working as the VP of sales for a software company. It was very small. I was doing that remotely. I ended up doing some traveling while I was working. So that's another thing that was um, 
you know, something I was paying attention to that was obviously uh, a little bit ahead of the eight ball, remote work, work from anywhere, distributed teams, remote teams. Right now, Piper's a completely remote team. And we were already capable of working that way before the pandemic. It wasn't like, hey, now we should start. And I was in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and I was walking back from the grocery store. And I had this lightning bolt moment where the some of the vlogs that I was watching, characters like Gary Vaynerchuk, but other just vlogs, Casey Neistat, that kind of era of YouTube, it clicked that not only was there going to be the next generation and the next generation and the next generation of those type of characters, which we're already seeing, you know, I would argue Alex Hormozzi is like the next Gary Vaynerchuk in terms of audience and, and kind of uh, attention and business acumen. But there was going to be this whole other subset of not like megastar celebrity types, but just companies that would need that creative infrastructure and have no idea how to do it. So I could not stop thinking about that idea. I'm a big believer that I don't necessarily need to write down every good idea I have, but the best ideas will keep coming back. They'll keep pestering and needling me until I just can't not act on them. I had that idea. I got back to Pittsburgh uh, a few months later. I pitched Hannah on the idea. And I basically said that um, we're going to be a company that vlogs for other companies and we're going to vlog ourselves along the way. She immediately got it. She immediately was interested in doing it with me. Uh, took a few more months to get ready. I did my live event, the Going Deep Summit in Pittsburgh, off the back of the audience that I had garnered with the podcast. And off of that, uh, we launched the company because I wanted to be ethical in saying that I could actually use digital media to influence people to buy things. Because um, there's also a lot of pretenders out there that you know they'll spin a yarn, they'll tell a story, but they're not actually generating results. We have, you know, we're working on our case studies on our website, but we have results. We have stuff that we can speak to actually garnering those results. And so, um, yeah, that was the the general idea. And she kind of had the complimentary skill set where I am the salesperson, I am the kind of business nerd, and she's just raw creative talent. If you go to her Instagram right now, I think literally today, I don't know when this is going up, Vince, but literally today she posted a, a reel of her. She's painting a deck of cards and she's about 40 or so cards. Maybe it's even more, 50 cards into a deck of cards that she's painting. She's sold all of them. They're beautiful. They're amazing. And the one she just painted, I think, has been viewed like 300,000 times uh, in the Instagram Reels format. So that's a multitude of things where, number one, if you're thinking hiring us, it's like, we've done it. Like, we've we've sold things with media. We have garnered organically tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of views. What other provider in town is doing that? What like like point point me to you don't you don't even I can't really have that much national competition. What I want to ask you is is what do you think the learning curve is is for the rest of the market? Because what you're stating is is a service that everybody who is going on e-commerce or is a digital uh, company of some sort, it, it, what you're suggesting is the most important ingredient more than a sales rep, more than an accountant. This is like, this is what makes your business tick right here. This is the rubber I, meets the road. I agree that the marketing is what takes it, is what raises the ceiling of the business. But I would, st I would just push back gently on, you still have to have a sales function. I think that's a big mistake. Yes. The reason Piper's not five times bigger than it is, it should be five years in. I didn't get focused enough on just pure sales until later in the business. And we had figured, we, we, we'd spun our wheels on a lot of different projects. And now we have a more full pipeline and a more uh, well-developed sales process than we've ever had in the past. Things are better than ever. This is going to be our best year ever. 
but I should have had that two years ago and we should be in a, like a, a, you know, an exponentially different place. I think that you'll, that. You, your trajectory will change. Um, let me ask you this, seeing that as a little bit of an Achilles heel or that's how you're viewing it. I come from the mindset that what you did was most important and that was cultivate the audience first. And I don't think a lot of people understand that part because like what you referenced about the elevator pitch that engages the people like that. Hey, I like this guy. Hey, he he's looking right into the camera. He's giving it to me straight and he's sharing with me. He did. So your authenticity, your trustworthy, all of those intangible subconscious emotions play out in your approach. So I don't know that it would have been to your advantage a whole lot to be too salesy in the beginning. You may have tarnished that intangible trust. I, I agree with you there. I'm just trying to make the core point, though, for the, the listeners that are out there that are just business operators. If they're on any sort of short time horizon to get results, the sales hire is going to do more than the marketing hire. The marketing hire is going to do the long-term ceiling lifting, maybe long-term trajectory changing. And I just want to make sure that that was clear and that okay. I wasn't misrepresenting yeah, the importance of sales and the overall function of the business. Uh, but in terms of how long it takes to build the skill set, you know, there's that is such a tricky question because it really it depends on what you're starting with, and it really depends on what you have to tap into in terms of resources. So we come in with a customer and we massively shorten their learning curve with everything. A perfect example is a wealth advising client. Uh, the first year they work with us, we did six videos for them. The next year we did 32. And the following year, I think we did like 108 videos. And they, once they bought the premise of video is helpful, and then they saw the effectiveness of those first six videos, then it became something where they could scale their operations and format all their videos correctly because of us. So we shortened that learning curve, which is very different than someone. And now they have resources. They, they're a business that you know does millions in annual revenue. So they can allocate budget towards that. If you don't have that budget, the beauty is you can study YouTube, watch videos, listen to podcasts, and build that skill set yourself. Mm. But I don't want to miss represent anything like the kids that are going viral right now on TikTok. And I say kids because they're younger than me and that's what everyone does <laughs> to someone who's younger than them. But like these are young adults who are going viral on TikTok and garnering hundreds of thousands, millions of views, audience, revenue that you know would make most people blush. They have been consuming that type of content for years. Mm -hmm. So there's a degree to which a lot of the lessons are sublimated and intuitive and clear in a way that when I talk to the busy, very successful 45, 55-year-old executive, they don't have that underlying infrastructure, which is where our value comes in, mm -hmm. but they have all the actual experience that they can speak to. It's really hard to take an 18-year-old seriously, or like I said, the 23-year-old seriously when it comes to financial advice, but they can make it compelling. It's where you get the Venn diagram of the two that our company's focused on delivering and where I think a lot of businesses should be leaning into. If you're young and you have all the kind of uh, marketing and like platform savvy, go find as old a person and experienced and successful person mm -hmm. as you can to hit your cart to. Yeah. And conversely, if you're someone who's accomplished a lot and is still hungry, then most people, most of the people who are really hungry, they already do get this, but go look backwards at the people that are on those kind of more cutting edge technologies and platforms, and then figure out how to play some jazz together. Right.
If you are listening from Australia, Florida, or just from around the corner. From East Coast to West Coast outlets, if you're not to the dirty South straight, make a left and body body. Contact us. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. That brings up a good question. I do, I do uh, mobile app development, and um, I'm working with a local high school, and the, the woman in charge of the, um, the, the learning was expressing to me that she did not want the app to be applicable to the kids in the 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. And her rationale behind it was, based on the learning curve, the, the young mind is the most fertile between 11 and 15, some down to 10 and 15. So we're talking the fourth grade to the ninth grade because there's the least amount of experience, but also the least amount of negativity. And she said, so we're creating our content to be geared towards that middle school kid who technically, in their opinion, had the sharpest mind. Because they're saying your, your life skills are put in one through eight, eight through 15 is now the, the skill set of the mind of uh, the new programming. Um, I don't want you like back in the day when I was young, no imagination in class, no, no, no daydreaming that these types of things were sublimity brought into play. Now it's completely on the reverse. According to what this woman is sharing with me, they're encouraging that kid to have a greater imagination and throw your ideas at us so we can see if they're relevant or not. And it's, I find it interesting. So they're letting basically the middle school kids create their own curriculum. What do you think of something like that? So our company is five years old. I'm 30. You could argue that 25 is relatively young to start a company, but I started with Hannah. Hannah was 20 when she started the company. She, I knew her for years prior to that because she was a self-taught creative. She was homeschooled. And so she was very independent. All the creative blocks are, are not there compared to the average person. And she had cold called her way into being the photographer for the semi-professional ultimate Frisbee team that I was playing for. And so that was wildly impressive. And then she, it, she introduced herself. She's like, I listened to your podcast and I joined one of the programs that you had covered on your show. It's like, whoa, piece of my media is influencing someone. Wow, you can see yeah. the light bulb coming on. And so that's why I wanted her to join. But I was also looking for this Venn diagram of people with talent and ambition who weren't already attached to something. Because a lot of what you have to do once you're you know, at some sort of scale is go actually pick off talent from other places to feed your uh, company's engine. Because the people that have nothing going on tend to just have lower ceilings or, or, or be at a, a kind of lower overall skill set The the most talented engineers in the world are usually employed by the Googles and the Amazons and so forth yeah. of the world. So that makes perfect sense to me. I, I think that, you know, across the board, it's relatively obvious to me that characters between 15 and 23 are underrated and underutilized by society. I'm not a big college believer. I think that it's I was nice going to ask you that. A relatively small slice of the population. But like I told you, I coasted through college. They didn't care. They cared about collecting the whatever, you know, tens of thousands of dollars uh, of, of uh, finances from me. And it, they were not really invested in any way, shape or form what my career prospects were after I graduated. They threw the career fair, but that's also a revenue event for them. Like that's not, yeah. they're, they're oriented. A lot of their internal metrics are how many, you know, 
companies can we get to pay for a table versus like how many kids are placed and they, they'll play with those numbers to help them in whatever rankings. But, um, you know, I don't understand why, like, I, I think about like, I have, I have a niece that, you know, I could imagine in three to four years, Piper hires her and she could work for us full time, not blowing the doors off anything like not, you know, crazy responsibility, but she would learn at an exceptionally rapid rate if she's into it. If she's not into it, that's fine. Or we'll do something else. But she could contribute because she's grown up like she's she. I'm one of the only people who can talk TikTok with her, and she can talk back with me, and she knows what I'm referring to. <laughs> How old right? is she? She's I don't know, 13, 14 years old. Oh my, so half your age, and she's wow, that's impressive. But she gets it because that's it. where she's spending her time. That's mm-hmm. her social space. The way that you know, in the 80s or 90s, the social space was you know the spot in the mall near hot topic or the spot in the mall near whatever. Yeah, like, it changes, but it's the same. And my point is that you know, if 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 she's going to be like me and just coast and spend, you know, years and tens of thousands of dollars to get an education that isn't particularly relevant to what she ends up doing. Why not employ that person? Why not give them a purpose? Part of the team? Than and then if they want to go get more education, that's the position I'm in now. Now I'm excited to pay for education. I yeah. probably spent, I don't know how many thousands of dollars on courses here in the last year, but it's because I know I want this information. I know exactly what I want. I go vet the the sources of it and I buy from the specific okay. source that I am interested in extracting that information from i'm an informed buyer i wasn't an informed buyer at 18 i went to i went to pit because my friends were going there and they yeah. had a good frisbee team that's a horrible reason to buy that leads me to my next question so i mean you you've been great at governing through your intuition and what it is you need to do next so where do you see yourself in three years from now uh how are you developing the piper creative and and what is your strategy moving forward? Well, the goal for three years from now would be that we are doing uh, around $3 million a year in revenue. Like and that is going to take hiring, sales, and operations improvements to like a really, really high level. Um, and we're going to have to push on that exceptionally hard. But I think that the timing is right for a lot of those dominoes to start falling. Mm-hmm. And even in the last year, like my my growth as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as a salesperson has climbed considerably. And I think we're just going to do more refining of our offering where that our annual contract value can climb. I don't know about a whole order of magnitude. I, I think I can eventually figure out how to do that. But even just... Um, you know, doubling or tripling our our average contract value would would be enough to get us at least half the way there. Now, are you going to do that through means of developing the social media and the content, the volume, or are you going to do by way of, say, maybe email or paid ads? I think that we'll incorporate more paid ads. We've actually signed our first uh, couple paid ads clients where where we are taking a more active role in that part of their marketing operations. And um, I think that once we garner some results there, there's obvious, you know, upside both with those existing clients, but also using those as case studies for future clients. Uh, But I, I really also think that there's still a degree to which the market is catching up to the notion that buying 150 to 300 videos a year is reasonable. And that 
would seem like absolute looney tunes to say three years ago, particularly in the Pittsburgh market, but in a lot of, you know, a lot of markets that aren't multi-billion dollar consumer facing brands. Um, I think that that, that the market's starting to wake up to that reality. And all we really have to do is keep uh, on that basis. All we have to keep doing is operating where we're operating, because like I said, there isn't anyone else that's done it the way that we've done it, that has the infrastructure in place, that knows how to do that in a profitable way. We've been profitable every year that we've operated. And, uh, you know, hopefully that unlocks even more doors. Now, as far as like your setup with the audio and the visual, your studio arrangement, is there any big advances in the technology or are we all kind of set with the quality of the camera and the sound of the mic and the little intricacies that go into that? Yeah, I don't, I don't have any really poignant thoughts there. Um, I probably had this mic that I'm using right now for like four years. Uh, the audio box that I'm using right now is probably two years old. The webcam is a pretty standard webcam. So I'm not really trying to, you know, break any barriers there. Mm -hmm. I do think that there will continue to be investment into people's spaces. Um, like I, I, what I sense now is way less about the gear and way more the like what you're seeing behind me. There's kind of the meme of like people that stack books behind them in order to be okay. like, man, I'm so well read. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that people will be thinking more and more about this whole space okay. the way that we used to think about like how much you invested in your suit for your business yeah. meeting it'll be way more of a signal to be like man everything is so perfectly lit and yeah. audio and all these other elements are are dialed in um uh, i think that that's really where the ball is going more so than some immaculate recording device if you have a story to share tell us how are you going to leave your mark, leave your mark. contact us leave your mark with our host vince cortez be our guest are jurors primarily in-house recording so like when you work with a client um how do you pull information in from them did they give you already made footage are you making the footage with them or for them or for a lot of clients we're going in and recording them and that's because if you are the, 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 the term that we'll use, and we have some sales decks that outline this more clearly, if anyone's, you know, in the robotics firm, financial uh, robotics industry, engineering, uh, or, or financial services industries, we have, you know, decks that can really take you from zero to one on video. It's not that we don't serve those other markets, but those are really where we, we do our best work. If you're going from zero to one with video and you don't have that experience, Everything about it is daunting. The gear is daunting. What to say is daunting. The editing is daunting. The publishing is daunting. It's all overwhelming. Um, and that's that's the language that we use on our, our website to introduce ourselves. Shooting, editing, and publishing quality content is overwhelming. Our job, Piper's job, is to make it easy. That means different things to different folks. Some people will have you know, the person on their staff that's a marketer and they bought a DSLR and they're like, hey, we set up the camera and shot ourselves. Can you do something with the footage? That's a different pricing model. That's a different package. But we we have that relationship as well. But if you're really starting at ground one, at ground zero, trying to go zero to one with video, we show up, we, we, we have the lighting handled, the audio handled, the camera handled. We talk you through, not word for word, what to say, because you're the domain expert and you know how to speak about your expertise, but we know how to package you and get you into the right kind of tone and voice to be compelling on camera. Mm -hmm. Then we take that footage, we edit it, we use all your best angles, your best tone, your best takes of each of those uh, talking points. 
And then we can take it all the way to publishing across your different channels for you. Uh, not everyone has the budget to make that happen, but we can we can own all of those steps. Does that service include then they can put that on not only their website or their blog, but they could put that on any type of advertisement or social media post? Yeah, and, th and that's where the nuance comes in, right? Because the way I'm going to have you pitch on an ad is going to be different than an organic piece of content. In most of my organic content, I'm not pitching. I'm educating. I'm infotaining is really the, the kind of line that I'm trying like to push that. there. And the, the pitch is rare, infrequent, and very kind of passive. Hey, if you like this and you think that I know what I'm talking about, go reach out to hypercreative.co. It's not a hard pitch. It's kind of like, hey, you've already been listening for 20 minutes. Like maybe this is something that will be aligned for you. On an ad, it's way more about attention. If you watch the folks that are, once they get really good at TikTok, they'll even, and not everyone's, if they're listening, you're not going to see this, but they'll like have something in their hand and they'll go, hey, and you see the motion on camera, you hear a sound and the kind of very biological, hey, I'm paying attention. What's up? Your business isn't growing as fast as you want it to, right? Let me help. I've got creative services at hypercreative.co. We can get you unlocked. We've even got a free deck for you to get started today on making more and better video. That's a very different kind of tonality. And the other mistake that people make is, well, it's all social media. So like the way I talk on my YouTube channel as an organic platform is the same as an ad. No, those are completely different things. Yes. If you really think about it for a second. Yeah, because you're talking to a person who's in a different emotional mindset, and you're you're what you just shared there with is uh, is priceless in the understanding of how to speak to them and speak to them differently with different level of volume as well as emotion and, and your ability to grip. But th this is phenomenal. I could talk to you all day. I mean, it, uh, listen, you're you're spot on. Your intuitive is is spot on. I, I really like your uh, uh courage uh or what anybody got to you know take the jump and go in like you said i think the initial part of being at 23 and who's going to want to talk finances with somebody that young so i mean you you actually that that was the the initial jump from 150 feet my man you just when when you got over that and it looked like you just blazed past that. I mean, a lot of people, that's an enormous point right there. I know for myself, I did. I had a hard time um, going on the camera, just your uh, in the anonymity. I wasn't from the era of a computer. I went all the way through college and there still wasn't a computer in my era. So I was a brick and mortar guy the whole time. So the idea of some of what you share and using the words daunting was a, for me, like almost an understatement. But what, what I would like to do is, is I would like to know how you would like to leave your mark. How do you want to be remembered? You're, you're blazing trail, man. You're only 30. You got a long way to go. So what, what are we going to remember? More so than anything, I'm, I'm not a huge believer in, in legacy. Like I'm, I'm more in the, the Alex Hormozy stoic line of thinking that, you know, three generations from now, your name won't even be on people's tongues. And, and that's literally like pharaohs and kings and stuff like that. So I, I don't mean to reject the premise of the show, but uh, I, I want to leave the world better than I found it. I want to treat everyone that I interact with kindly. And I know I'm not perfect um, on either of those fronts, uh, but 
hopefully I can be those two things, be a fantastic husband and a fantastic father. Right on. Right on. You you sound like a true Pittsburgher there too. Your heart's in the right place. We're good people in this neighborhood. Amen. And uh, you're going to share some of those Polish pierogies with me too. I like this. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for your time. I know you're a busy guy. You're going to be off and running the rest of the afternoon here, but um, it was a pleasure having you on. You, I really like hearing your insight and you get a lot of fresh ideas and I think you're hundred percent accurate in what you're doing. Just keep doing it. Thanks, Vince. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening to Leave Your Mark today. Tune into our next episode of Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. Be blessed. You just left your mark. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez.